and welcome to Hitting Play, the podcast where we review, analyze, and discuss shows, movies, and other curiosities. I am Scott, and joining me is one of Coily's minions, Lily. <laughs> no springs! <laughs> and also joining us from the movie riffing group One Wall Cinema, who can currently be found on OneWallCinema.com and RiffTracks.com. K1, a.k.a. Kevin, welcome back. Thanks. I've been around for an awful long time. <laughs> Let's hope you don't immediately back down. (laughs) (laughs) Knew your father, I did. (laughs) Well, this week we are doing something a little special. A few months ago, the three of us, plus the artist of the comic series Catbeard the Pirate, Matt Nelson, we broke down and discussed the great Mystery Science Theater 3000 episode entitled Parts the Clonus Horror, which that was a blast. I had fun doing that episode. And uh, (laughs) you can find that in our archives. But uh, today, for this episode of the podcast, we are revisiting the series and covering two classic Mystery Science Theater shorts, the legendary Mr. B. Natural, and the last short they ever did, you know, up to this point anyway, entitled A Case of Spring Fever. And for those not too familiar with Mystery Science Theater 3000, on many occasions, the movies being riffed on, sometimes they'd come up a little short after editing, so to fill out that a lot of time, they would show maybe like a short film or, or, you know, a commercial, something educational for the cast to make fun of before the movie plays. They were mostly educational films, Uh, some were very corporately financed, as we'll see, and other times they were old action serials, weren't there uh, Commander Cody they did a run of? Yep, Commander Cody was one of them. I'm drawing a blank on some of the other ones. I think those were kind of earlier seasons that they were doing those. Now, in our uh, previous Mystery Science Theater 3000 episode, we talked a little bit about the show's history, which, you know, consisted of three different channels, two different humans, and there was a Kickstarter campaign to revive it. Now, in the weeks since that episode, there have been a couple of new chapters in the show's long history. Uh, First, the news came out that the highly anticipated revival of Mystery Science Theater 3000 has found a home. Not network TV, not cable TV, not TV at all. And not HBO, because as we all know, HBO is not TV. Uh, But starting sometime soon, uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000 is coming to Netflix. Which is awesome, because that means it's going to be available all over the place for everybody to see. The only downside is, if they put out the entire season all at once... I'm going to blow through the whole season in like two days. (laughs) It's true. Yeah. And hopefully there will be more after this first run. I would imagine there will be. I I don't think any Netflix series has only been one season. Hmm. Uh, Yeah, probably not, right? Except for Arrested Development, although that was, there's more coming of that too, right? I believe so. Yeah. But I think uh, most of them at least have, you know, two seasons either already out or in the works. So if they commit to something, you know, it's a it's a real commitment. Either way, new episodes is not a bad thing, so. No. Even if it's just the one season, I don't care. It's new episodes. I'm happy. <laughs> Did they tease anything that they were going to be reviewing or? Nope. Uh, they don't want any of that uh, being leaked at all, actually. Really? Okay. Yep. Well, That's I'm good. curious to see what they do. Yeah, I would imagine they, they would try to keep it, you know, cons- consistent somewhat, you know, have some... Uh, some sort of monster movie in there, some sort of, you know, cheesy sci-fi. Uh, Joel has said, it, you know, it's basically going to be in the vein of like, you know, the classic mystery science theater type stuff. So that's good. And, and it's going to be how many episodes have you heard? 14, I believe. 14. That's great. Um, I, and 
uh, I think one of those is going to be a holiday special. Oh, okay. Now, uh, we should we should mention uh, Jonah Ray is going to be the human this time around. Yes. Very funny comedian. Yep. And a huge Mystery Science Theater fan. Which is great. That's what you want. Oh, yeah. Yep. And like a lot of his uh, like seven inch uh, comedy records, they're all from Mystery Science Theater, like the titles. Like one of them is uh, Hello, Mr. Magic Plane Person. Uh, you know, so just like little <laughs> things here and there kind of referencing Mystery Science Theater. And some other famous people are uh, joining the cast as well. Yep, Pat Oswald is going to be in it, oh. um, and a bunch of the uh, the alumni is coming back too. I think that uh, I'll definitely give the episodes a watch. I mean, yeah. I haven't seen too much Mystery Science Theater stuff that is pre-existing, so now that it's on Netflix or will be on Netflix, I think it might make it a little bit more likely for me to peruse. <laughs> yeah. And I think, too, it's good for someone your age because, you know, when you're watching some of these episodes that aired in the, you know, mid-90s, a lot of the references are lost on us. You know, never mind someone that was born, you know, a few years after the episode actually aired, you know. So at least I think with this new run, you'll you'll get more contemporary references, too. So it makes the jokes a little easier. Now, uh, the other big news was that there was a big simulcasted Mystery Science Theater 3000 reunion show, and Kevin, you got to see it. I did. It was awesome. It was so much fun. Yeah, they they had, uh, you know, Mike, Kevin, and Bill doing their stuff. They had Bridget Nelson and Mary Jo Peel came out and uh, did a short, and it was awesome. I I absolutely love their stuff, and if you get a chance, definitely check out some of their uh, Rift Tracks Presents stuff that they have on rifttracks.com. And then uh, Frank and Trace uh, did a short, which was awesome. (laughs) It was very, very funny. And then uh, Jonah and uh, Joel actually... Uh, rift a short as well so that was kind of cool you know to kind of see the two of them working together and what was even funnier was it was the uh i riff short that my brother and i had released i think right around when uh i was last on the podcast uh that was the short that they picked to riff at the uh at the show oh really (laughs) yeah so it was kind of the you know like oh my gosh they're actually gonna do the same one that we did i hope they have like some of or you know kind of back and forth like okay i hope they have some of the same jokes that we came up with but i hope they don't because then i i feel like you know like if someone comes across ours after seeing that they think oh they're just copying them yeah yeah but yeah no there was no overlapping jokes maybe one or two that were along the same theme but a little bit different that's so cool now you did see this uh broadcast in the theater right Yes, yes, I did. So that's great. So it was pretty much just a, a series of shorts, and you, we got different combinations of cast members, old yep, and new. And they ended it with having everybody all out on stage, uh, and you know, doing one, you know, one short with everybody all there doing it, which was really cool. That is cool. How long was the uh, the whole presentation? Uh, it was like two hours. That's great. Now, will that be available for uh, general viewing, or is that just kind of like a you had to be there to see it type thing? Uh, no, it, it should be coming out. Usually it, there's like a, a, a period where uh, Fathom still has, you know, the rights to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that, you know, they're cleared to be able to sell it on their site. Oh, cool. Yeah, I look forward to seeing it because that's one of the things I was not able to see the, the two times it was broadcast. Well, that's very cool. So we should get right into these shorts. This uh, <laughs> These were, uh, these are just two of the greats. Uh, Mr. B just kind of like a, a running joke through most of the series. 
And uh, I think we even got a real-life version of Mr. B. Natural when uh, Bridget Jones, now Bridget Nelson, Mike's wife, played Mr. B. Natural on, what was it, one of the Turkey Day specials? I don't remember which episode it was, but uh, yeah, she it was definitely her that uh, that was Mr. B. Yeah. <laughs> Just absolutely bizarre character. <laughs> it, it's such a weird concept. It, uh, yeah, it's... Just the the history of this thing, it was produced in 1956 by Kling Film for the CG Con Musical Instrument Company. And basically, this thing was supposed to be a presentation film for schools to really advertise directly to students. It's just pretty funny. But uh, yeah, this was, this was uh, meant to be a, an advertisement shown to kids, and then you were supposed to, you know hassle your parents into getting you a musical instrument because you want it to be just like Buzz, the main character of this short film. <laughs> now, this this short stars Betty Luster as the musical pixie Mr. B. Natural, who inexplicably appears to help th- that boy named Buzz, uh, played by Bruce Podwell. And uh, just l- doing some research, Betty Luster, she previously acted in some TV specials and she had a Broadway appearance, but... This short was her last known appearance, her last credited role. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of sad. Yeah. I don't know if I... It's such a weird, weird role, too. You know, the very clearly (laughs) not Mr. Yeah. (laughs) You know. It's weird. Yeah, it almost reminded me of, like, Sandy Duncan playing uh, Peter Pan years and years ago. It was like, it's like that kind of thing. And Bruce Podwell, also, who played Buzz... He had been a uh, a science observing kid on Don Herbert's show. I, I believe it was Watch Mister Wizard, or at least the Mister Wizard show, yep. in 1951. And uh, this short was also his last credited appearance. <laughs> the curious he, case of Mister B Natural. Really? Although he was, yeah. you know, he was a kid, so that happens. Like sometimes kids will, you know, they'll act and like, yeah, I don't want to act anymore. Uh, Betty Luster had been pretty experienced, but I think this was enough to be like, okay, (laughs) I'm done. (laughs) Now, this Mystery Science Theater 3000 version of the short appeared in the 19th episode of season three, where Joel Hodgson and the bots riff on the movie War of the Colossal Beast. It aired November 30th, 1991. And it's on, uh, I believe, the Shout Factory box set number 34. 34, okay. Yeah, I was, I, lo- I was looking through my DVDs to see if I had this one. And uh, the original cut of this is like almost 30 minutes. Yeah, they cut like seven minutes out or something like that. And uh, I did not go back to see what we missed. That was one thing I was like, you know what? <laughs> There's no point in doing that. Yeah, I, I, I thought about it and then I was like, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> what, what true insight could we gain from such an endeavor? All right, so let's get right into this short. We we open on a look at a marching band in formation on a football field, and the band is spelling out the word con, C-O-N-N, the, the name of the musical instrument company, to which Tom Servo yells, con! <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so we, we get our credits, including Mr. B. Natural, played by Betty Luster. Funny moment where Joel asks if she was ever married to Martin Sheen. <laughs> And uh, we get Bruce Podwell as Buzz, which actually was Bruce Podwell's nickname. So it's like he was playing himself, because I believe he appeared on Mr. Wizard as Buzz as well. Yes, he did. So he was either playing himself or it was like a Tony Danza thing where it's just easier (laughs) to name his character his name. (laughs) So as the credits end and the band plays on, Joel and the bots sing some lyrics, including uh, 
Was it buy some crap from us? Yep, buy some crap from us. <laughs> yeah, that that's one of my favorite types of jokes that they do on Mystery Science Theater, you know, when they kind of sing along with the background music or whatever's yeah. going on. I absolutely love those types of jokes. It's something uh, my brother and I usually try and work into uh, our eye riffs, you know, whenever possible. Yeah, and that that's great. And Kevin Murphy has such a great singing voice. Yes. It's always funny when he you know, tries to, to sing some words to some instrumental music. And yeah, it's always great. Or in the, uh, the Jaws riff tracks when they, uh, open the jaw of the shark on the, uh, on the pier. That's, you know, another brilliant example of, of him doing that. That's one I have yet to see. I gotta, I gotta check out that one. Oh yeah. You definitely need to see that one. So this whole thing fades to black and we open on a giant musical staff on a stage with five notes. Uh, and a disembodied voice explains that, Oh, I'm the second note from the left, which is a B. And Crow is now getting scared. And we see that there is a a note that is a B. It's a second from the left there. And it immediately becomes the character of Mr. B Natural, who is now, you know, kind of sitting cross-legged in the place of that B note, which I guess was a, a B Natural. So that's yes. like where the note comes from, the name. Right. And Mr. B Natural introduces himself and invites the camera to move in a little closer. He goes on to explain that he's the spirit of fun in music and that he's been around for an awful long time. And this is where we get the classic line uh, where Mr. B Natural mentions to the viewer, I knew your father, I did. (laughs) I just, I love like (laughs) just all the like, you know, the fake jump scares every time, you know, Mr. B Natural kind of appears somewhere else or the camera <laughs> changes, <laughs> you know, and as they're progressively getting more and more terrified, you know, like, am I glad to see you? Well, it's not mutual. <laughs> Elwin Joel yells like, you know, leave my father out of this. Because <laughs> it is some weird things that Mr. B Natural says here. You know, it's just such a creepy idea for an advertisement. I know. I mean, I don't find it as strange that it's a male character cast as a woman. I find the acting what's unnerving. Like oh, yeah. Just the icy yeah. stares and just the strange remarks that are like haunting. That this is the concept they came up with to sell <laughs> to sell musical instruments. That's like that's what the weirdest thing is, and so uh, it even goes further. Mister V Natural suggests that uh, he may have been in the Garden of Eden with Mister and Mrs Adam, and Servo is like, "You were the snake." <laughs> you were the snake. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so uh, as Mister B explains that the spirit of music is inside all of the viewers, he spins his finger around and points to various corners of the screen. <laughs> Yeah, we get some gunshot sounds made by Joel and the bots. <laughs> uh, and so uh, Mr. B Natural continues explaining that the, the viewers just have to want music and he'll pop into existence to help them. And uh, as, as Mr. B begins to inelegantly recline across the staff with his feet up in the air, he recounts a specific story in which he helped a junior high schooler named Buzz. Now, did you actually listen to like that first sentence there where he starts talking about meeting Buzz? I played it back three or four times and the sentence itself is just weird. It's uh, the first time I really met Buzz uh, Turner, uh, including Jeannie, the cutest girl in school, including Buzz. (laughs) I was like, wait, what? (laughs) Really? I didn't catch that. Yeah. Yeah, I... 
I definitely was like, that was a strange way to introduce this. Didn't really make yeah. sense. Huh. It, it was the including Genie. Okay, whatever. Okay, fine. You met Buzz and, you know, also Genie. And then the cutest girl in school, but then including Buzz. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> That's funny. That's such a strange, yeah. I mean, it doesn't surprise me to hear that, but I, I didn't catch that. So yeah, Mr. B explains how he helped Buzz and then asks if we want to see what happened. And even though Tom Servo says, no, it's okay, Mr. B <laughs> blinks back into a B note on the staff and then reappears in the stage in front of it. And I, But I thought that note was supposed to be Mr. B. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I'm not quite sure exactly what Mr. B is to begin with, so. <laughs> yeah, so not quite just any B note, just... This more the spirit of music that happens to be named after that B note. Okay, whatever. Uh, yeah. So uh, he begins to prance around and uh, onto the stage, and then we fade into a scene at a corridor at Parkside Junior High School. And Tom Servo just says, "I have a bad feeling about this." <laughs> and uh, so I guess it's the end of the school day. The kids are going to their lockers. Mister B notes something about how their energy translates into music. It's just kind of a weird observation. It goes on to explain that this is the first time he met Buzz Turner in Genie, the cutest girl in school. And so the camera then cuts to Buzz, and we see that he's shy, kind of wishes he was part of the group. He's kind of off to the side. Mister B says, "There's nothing much wrong with Buzz," and Servo chimes in, "Except his hair." <laughs> <laughs> Poor Buzz. <laughs> Can't help with the haircut his mother gives him. No, oh, it was a buzz cut. Yeah. <laughs> Fitting. We see Buzz is kind of off to the side, just kind of gazing at the popular kids, and Joel and the bots whisper, conform, conform. <laughs> <laughs> and we see that one of the boys here, Fred, is impressing the entire group of kids with his new clarinet. Because, you know, that's that is pretty cool. Let me tell you, and in junior high, if you played the clarinet, you're just in. <laughs> Same back in my day, so I guess some things never change. <laughs> so one girl, Jeannie, then grabs her friend Betty and shows the group a new dance step she learned as Fred slaps a beat on the clarinet case. So Because it doesn't <laughs> make sense to play the clarinet in a musical situation. Just slap on the case. Yeah, I mean, every part of the, the clarinet can be used for music, even the case. <laughs> it's kind of a weird scene, like, hey, I learned a new dance step, and then just like kind of get this impromptu hoedown <laughs> yeah. in front of the lockers. <laughs> so we cut back to Buzz. We, we see he's still just watching these kids, staring at them, and now he's tapping a beat on his school books. Uh, Jeannie then invites the popular kids over to her house to listen to her new records, but uh, clarinet boyfriend refuses, saying that he can't miss band practice for the world, especially since he's bucking for the first clarinet chair. And so he and Betty, who evidently plays some sort of horn, then run off to practice. And seeing that the group is now smaller, Jeannie asks if Buzz wants to come over. And Buzz refuses, saying that he has to prepare for the big history essay, even though, as Jeannie points out, it's not due for another two weeks. So as Jeannie and her friends leave, Buzz gathers his items from the, his locker and he heads home. And so now the camera just kind of lingers and we get this slow, awkward pan towards Buzz's locker. And really nothing much is happening. So Servo says something like, you know, meanwhile, the Midvale police visit his locker. Find out why they call him Buzz. And all of a sudden <laughs> we hear trumpet music and Mr. V Natural comes up and exits Buzz's locker. And Joel and the bots just groan in horror. Where are the adults? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
There is a strange person in the middle of the hallway in a school, <laughs> a middle school. Mr. B says uh, something like, you know, looks like Buzz might be needing me. That's what I'm here for. And Crow just says, oh, I feel ill. <laughs> it's, just kinda, it's so funny. Just Joel and the bots are just so annoyed with the character almost at the very beginning. And we'll get like more interjections as we go along. So we fade to black and we open on a scene where Buzz's mother is on the telephone. And I like how this and the following short that we're going to be looking at, we see how the telephone is really in its own special place in the house with a, a chair right next to it on a table. Yeah, and this is another one of those gags that, you know, comes up quite a bit in uh, in Mystery Science Theater, you know, where they, they just kind of pretend to be the, the person that you can't hear on the phone. Yes. Uh, similar to the kind of singing along, it, you know, it's another one that my brother and I, if something comes up like that, we'll try and do that. Um, like the, uh, Dragnet episode that we riffed, uh, we did a little bit with that. Yeah. So like, I, I love here, Joel's doing this second part of the conversation that we don't hear. And it's basically what, about a weirdo loose in the school referring to Mr. B. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, we cut back and we see that Buzz's house is actually pretty brightly colored. Uh, Servo even asks, you know, are they living in Pee Wee's Playhouse? <laughs> <laughs> and Buzz comes home. He heads straight up for the stairs. Uh, to his room, his mother tries to tell him that it's a beautiful day out, but Buzz is insistent that he do his reading. And as Buzz heads up the stairs, his mother stays at the banister in, in quiet contemplation. And in her <laughs> voice, Joel asks, why does my son have to be such a dud? I was popular. <laughs> <laughs> and so cutting to Buzz's room, we see that he is stunned to see Mr. Be Natural there, sitting on his bed. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of uh, invasions of privacy by Mr. B. Yeah, I was going to say, between Mr. B and Soapy the Germ Fighter, there's so many shorts which is <laughs> super creepy. Like, uh. Mr. B explains to Buzz that he actually sent for him whether he knows it or not. When he reached for some music to make himself feel better, that awakened the spirit of Mr. B Natural. So it wasn't the fact that he was like envious of how happy the popular kids were with their music and their dancing. It was when he was sad and reached for some records to feel better. <laughs> but Mr. B showed up at the school. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> Mr. B is everywhere. There's no escape. And he's a bad liar. <laughs> Mr. B is getting old. All right. Mr. B doesn't remember everything quite clearly. That's true. <laughs> Were you thinking about music? Uh, that's why I'm here. <laughs> you did something. I don't know. I just showed up. I don't know. Your bed's comfy. Just leave me alone. <laughs> there was a radio in the house, so I figured there must be music. <laughs> so Buzz asks if Mr. B has been hiding in his room the whole time, and Joel asks with a cracking voice, You've seen me do everything? <laughs> <laughs> Mr. B clarifies that Buzz awakens the spirit of music inside himself, and that's what Mr. B natural is. Uh, Buzz is very unsure, as are all of us viewing this, and as Mr. B starts to explain the spirit of music. And Mr. B jumps up to his feet as Crow yells, Spanking time! <laughs> Which I always get a kick out of. <laughs> Mr. B tells Buzz about an eight-year-old that he helped, who now proficiently plays the French horn. He then mimes the French horn and, and says, Wait till he grows up and finds out how hard it is, and then just doubles over in laughter. Such a messed up character. <laughs> <laughs> it's like as, as Mr. B is laughing maniacally, Tom Servo is just like, Mom! 
(laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of yelling from mom in this short, too, which is very funny. Buzz walks over to his bed and says, oh, I, you know, I wish I could play something and be in a band like Fred. So Mr. B refuses to hear this self-pity and says that he's here to help, not help him feel sorry for himself. He then grabs a chair, kind of swings around backwards and sits very strangely on it. Did you notice that? Yes. It's not like a folding chair where you can like kind of sit backwards on it. It had like one of those curved backs. So like one leg had to be like craned weird on it. Weird, (laughs) weird choice here by Betty Lester. (laughs) So, Mr. B tries to encourage Buzz to learn to play an instrument so he can be part of the band, which he explains is like being on a football team. Which, uh, okay. I guess. (laughs) Yeah, let's go with that. Sure. And he says, uh, it's fun, fun, fun! And Mr. B kicks up his leg as Crow yells, uh, that's nice, Mom! (laughs) (laughs) Buzz asks Mr. B if he plays any instruments. And Servo replies, no, I'm in marketing, which is very true. (laughs) Yep. So now we get this scene where Mr. B makes instruments appear in his hands. And the editing is so crappy (laughs) to make these things appear. Uh, First, we get uh, a trombone, then a clarinet, then two trumpets. And Buzzed is impressed, saying, you even talk music. It's like, that's not talking music. No, no. (laughs) And we learn that the clarinet is not just a clarinet. It's a happy smile. (laughs) Can you imagine if Mr. B. Natural was actually cast as a man? This would be like three times more (laughs) creepy. I think we see why Betty Lester was was picked at the audition. Yeah. Just a grown man waiting for Buzz in his bed. Could be animated and I would think I would be frightened. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so now somebody actually needs to like completely do a shot for shot remake of this <laughs> but with like a guy playing Mr. B <laughs> Benedict Cumberbatch he's in everything there you go <laughs> oh my god <laughs> why not he's in everything so yeah so we, we get also where Mr. B hands Buzz a trumpet and you know encourages him you talk out what you feel through music and says you know you think this is just a trumpet And Joel yells out, it's a bong. (laughs) (laughs) And and we get more of those uh, metaphors, like Kevin was just mentioning, the the trumpet becomes pride, confidence, and was it the mood of a happy king? It's like, I I can't remember. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I've never seen a king play a horn. It's usually other people in the king's court. Yeah. And so uh, Mr. B begins to play the trumpet, and then we cut back to that original stage with the staff to see Mr. B natural dancing around to his own music. It's just, uh, again, odd directing, and Crow's just crying out, please say this isn't happening. <laughs> and we cut back to Buzz's room. Mr. B now has a clarinet. That's what, yeah, this is the one where he says it's a happy smile. More dancing. And Servo says, see, Buzz, it's really fun to be psychotic. <laughs> <laughs> And there's just all of these things said for every type of instrument. A, tr- a trombone is something that can let you show the world a big laugh. Oh. <laughs> it's a great moment where Servo just like turns to Joel. He's like, why, Joel? Why? <laughs> <laughs> it's always funny when they interact amongst each other. And yeah, a French horn is described as having dignity. And Joel asks, what would you know about dignity? <laughs> <laughs> 
uh, a sousaphone. Was it? A sousaphone makes you want to feel as big as a giant, and Mr. B pushes Buzz backwards and happily explains that when you combine these instruments, you can have any mood you want. And yeah, the crow's like, I'll talk, I'll talk, don't hurt me. <laughs> <laughs> More Mr. B dancing in the music. Servo now kind of breaks a fourth wall to offer his sincerest apologies to anyone watching this. <laughs> uh, we, we cut back to Buzz's room to see Buzz applauding. And Joel's like, forget music, I want to dance. It's like, if you think about it, this short has demonstrated so far way more dancing than the actual playing of music. Yeah. This is it's true. pretty funny, yeah. <laughs> so evidently, in the world of this short, this has been enough. Buzz is convinced music is fun and he wants to have fun. So we, we next cut to a later time. And as I mentioned, th- there was a lot of cuts from the original. I imagine this is probably one of the places we get, you know, a cut. Uh, we see Buzz is now explaining to his parents that the bandmaster told him that his face was practically made for trumpet. And now he wants to join the school band. So Buzz took that as a compliment, evidently. <laughs> so we next cut to a music store, but not just any music store. Happens to be a con music store. Huh, what are the odds? (laughs) Buzz's parents bring him in to purchase a trumpet. Uh, Buzz's father is very concerned with the expense, but the man behind the counter, the dealer, tells him that, oh, no, we have a trial purchase plan. So so, here we get a little little of that con advertising. (laughs) Enough with this. Just tell me how much it costs. (laughs) (laughs) Now, did any of you guys play instruments in school? Yes, I did. And did you have to deal with this, like the purchase plans and stuff to buy an instrument? Oh, yeah, because they're just a classical instrument is really expensive. And of course, if you're going to play with the school band, they had their own company that they did contract with. So every kid had to sign up and pay <laughs> off their whatever it was. In my case, it was a saxophone. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Saxophone and upright bass cost oh, wow. my parents quite a chunk of change. <laughs> 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 no, I just did uh, the handbell choir, actually. Oh, okay. So we didn't actually have to, you know, buy our own. It was because it was part of, like, you know, a huge set. Oh, that's cool. So you didn't have to. Did you end, Lily, did you end up, like, paying off the the whole thing and getting the instrument? Or did you do the thing where you just kind of, like, return it when you got sick of it? I did the return it when I got sick of it. Yeah. I mean, I don't necessarily have space to keep an upright bass. Um, <laughs> I was going to say. This <laughs> large instrument. <laughs> That's crazy. That's cool, though. I mean, how far did you get playing either instrument? Um, Saxophone, not very far at all. I had pretty much went to two rehearsals and was like, yeah, I don't, I've had enough. <laughs> uh, but the upright bass I did through like the eighth, ninth, and 10th grade, I think. Oh, wow. Uh, so cool. I was pretty good. Cool. Yeah, I never... Never played any instruments. That's okay. <laughs> You're not missing much. <laughs> Mr. B never visited me in my room. <laughs> You're one of the lucky ones. <laughs> uh, so they show, back back to the short here, they show Buzz a trumpet, and Buzz remarks that he doesn't think the make of the instrument matters much, to which he is immediately corrected by Mr. B, who we see uh, just happens to be sitting across the room here at the con music store. Mom, Dad, tell me you heard that. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, yeah, the dealer then goes on to explain how a trumpet is made. And and Mr. B says, you listen to him, Buzz. And Joel adds, or I'll kill you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, 
the, the camera then zooms in on a framed picture of a factory on the wall near Mr. B. And as it zooms in, we kind of uh, transfer to a montage of factory workers assembling brass instruments. Work faster, Grandma. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, a lot of older folks putting together these instruments. I like when he, there's a guy like testing out a trumpet and he holds it up to his ear. And Joel's like, oh, no noise here. <laughs> and as we see another man shaping the bell of a sousaphone, Joel says something like, yeah, this man does things he's not proud of. <laughs> <laughs> and we get all kinds of scenes of manufacturing as the instrument dealer narrates. And, uh, of course, we see the difference between high quality and low quality as this short now is just completely a commercial for con musical instruments. There's a, there's a scene where each instrument is being tested for sound quality, kind of like... It was like almost like a lab, like on a bed with an oscilloscope. And Joel's like, it's flatlining. <laughs> <laughs> so we finally cut back to the store as the dealer uh, lowers Buzz's new trumpet into his case. He tells Buzz that uh, this will make music more fun for you. And Servo adds, it was made by an old woman. <laughs> pretty funny. So we cut to Mr. B, who's still hanging out in the store, saying that his job is now over, and he can just sit back and watch Buzz's training begin. <laughs> so we cut to this training as we see Buzz learning the trumpet. And as uh, the band teacher, we get, we get a scene here where he's like uh, being taught kind of just one-on-one -on -one at practice. The band teacher is helping Buzz hold it properly. And it's just funny, Crow is like, no, you're holding the big end. <laughs> so from here we cut to Buzz playing... Uh, from sheet music on a stand, then a scene at the school lockers where now he is the one impressing kids with his new instrument. And, uh, so we also get a scene of him playing with Mr. B, who has a clarinet. And uh, Crow says, he'd jam with his imaginary friend. It's <laughs> funny. So from here, we fade to a scene of Buzz as a member of the band playing this elaborate trumpet solo. Yeah, like how much time has elapsed here? Because <laughs> you don't just start playing... <laughs> And are that incredible. Yeah, Buzz is a savant, evidently. <laughs> just didn't know it. <laughs> the scene that we get here, you know, he's playing with the band. He stands up for a solo and is just like going crazy. And Joel kind of just says, and now he grandstands at every opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> and so this scene fades into a scene at a school dance, which I don't think it's not his school dance. It's I believe it says the victory dance at City High. So I guess the high school hires the junior high band to play the, the school dance? Or is he just now in high school playing at his own dance? I, don't, I have no idea. He didn't look that much older, but I guess that's what is being implied here. And, uh, there, you know, it's kind of like a, a slower song. We, we see a bunch of kids dancing, and Joel and the bots now sing sing their own lyrics over the music, which is like... Is that the, the we're white, really, really white? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Not a lot of diversity in this short, unfortunately. And so Buzz stands for a trumpet solo. And uh, I, I love when, when he goes to stand, Joel pretends that he's like doing that grandstanding solo that we saw earlier. That <laughs> I love that part. It's like he's playing the Green Hornet theme or something. Yeah, a flight of the bumblebee. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like a mix of like those two things, yeah. <laughs> and so as the song finishes... All that were dancing stopped to applaud, and this fades eerily into a close-up of Mr. B. Natural smiling, and as he gives an okay sign, Joel goes, it stinks. It stinks. <laughs> uh, reference to pod people, one of my favorite episodes. Yes, that's 
so great too yeah that was one of the first ones that i uh picked up on vhs idiot control now yes so we, we finish with a look of some more school bands it's kind of a weird ending to it and then joel and the bots exit the theater very strange short very iconic in the lore of mystery science theater 3000 in fact many running jokes have come from this throughout the years you know there'll be uh some scenes where in other movies that they're riffing on where they'll mention like oh there's mr b or you know something or some reference to lines from this so it really stuck with the writers evidently or haunted them i should say probably (laughs) haunted (laughs) (laughs) so what do you guys think about this short now that we finally get through it together as a group (laughs) yeah it's it's definitely like classic mystery science theater uh one that if you're checking out the show, you definitely need to watch because it's just, it's bonkers. (laughs) (laughs) It's not one of my favorites, but it's definitely one, you know, I've seen, oh geez, I I couldn't tell you how many times I've seen this one. It's, it's still funny, you know, no matter what, but because it has like all those, you know, there's callbacks from, from other things and uh, obviously later callbacks to this short, you know, it's definitely worth watching. I definitely recommend it for people who want to get into Mystery Science Theater or like see if Mystery Science Theater is something for them because Mm -hmm. it's perfect because it's not a full movie. You don't have to commit that much time. And I mean, it's hilarious and it's completely absurd. Just just completely absurd. And the jokes in this one were um, very accessible for me. So, I mean, that says something for other people listening considering i wasn't around when this aired (laughs) no that's true it wasn't really reference heavy which a lot of their stuff tends to be that's true there was just so much creepiness going on (laughs) yeah it's just something about it yeah i mean if you haven't seen it and you're listening to this it is something you you gotta look up and check out because it just like it just such a creepy look to it and just the the costume we didn't really talk about mr b's costume kind of like a light blue peter pan outfit really yeah with musical notes peter pan with music notes on him and and just the movements the choreography is very very odd i just can't imagine being a kid in school and having this you know projected onto the wall (laughs) during an auditorium assembly or something (laughs) just the exuberance of mr b alone in his uh, mannerisms there as he's talking he's like swinging his arms all over the place (laughs) Just smile. Yeah. And, you know, it's it too. This was solely for the purpose of making money. This was not to further the arts or anything. So, you no. know, there, there is kind of that somewhat uh, sinister edge to it as well. <laughs> I think Zach Galifianakis should be Mr. B in the, uh, <laughs> the redone one. Yeah, that's perfect. I'm all for that. That's great. And well, one other thing I should mention, too, is the shorts package that they put out, uh, I believe, was called Mr. B's Shorts. Yep. And that's uh, they did turn that into a DVD in one of the Rhino box sets. It shows you how much the, the legacy of Mr. B has uh, existed. And <laughs> who knows? Maybe we'll get a reference in the new Netflix series. That would be awesome. So now let's move on. We'll take a look at another fantastical being that teaches lessons. In the classic short, A Case of Spring Fever. Now, this one was a little shorter. Uh, it was an educational film produced in 1940 by Jameson Jam Handy. And it stars Edward J. Nugent as the spring-hating Gilbert. 
and Pinto Kolvig as the reality-manipulating spring sprite named Coily. <laughs> now, I don't think this is the only one. Correct me if I'm wrong, Kevin, but weren't there other Jam Handy films throughout the run of Mystery Science Theater? I believe so. I looked into this because I never, I had seen that before and never really thought much about it. But since we were going to cover it, I was like, oh, I should look this up. Jam Handy, or, you know, Jameson Handy, uh, before his film production career, Jam Handy was an Olympic swimmer and a water polo player. He won the bronze medal in the 440-yard breaststroke in the 1904 Olympics in St. Louis. So kind of a, an interesting background for the guy. So he went from, you know, world-class athlete to producing these weird educational films. Now, I, I think I read somewhere where Max Fleischer might have done animation for some of these films. Uh, I was not able to find out if he was the animator of Coily, but Max Fleischer did those original Superman cartoons, which yeah. are just so beautifully done. Uh, there's So there's a chance that Max Fleischer, you know, this classic animator, did the weird <laughs> character of Coily. <laughs> so weird <laughs> it is weird <sighs> now I, I had to look up pinto kolvig he's the voice here of coily that no springs <laughs> and believe it or not he was a very interesting man uh here, here's just a brief rundown of this guy uh in the 1920s after moving his family to hollywood he teamed up with a friend of his named walter lance to make cartoons it's just something he kind of picked up and was interested in doing and Decided he was going to move his family to Hollywood with his friend and try to make them. Unfortunately, uh, they made a cartoon called Bolivar the Talking Ostrich. And <laughs> it was no match for this other cartoon called Steamboat Willie. Uh. <laughs> and they decided to give up. But uh, after that, Walter Lance, his friend, went on to become the voice of Woody Woodpecker. Huh. Yeah, and so Pinto Kolvig's talent was not unnoticed. Uh, he was actually signed by Walt Disney after that. Uh, he signed him to a contract in 1930. And during his time with Disney, he wrote the lyrics to the song Who's Afraid of the Big Bad Wolf from the uh, Three Little Pigs cartoon. And he was also the voice of Practical Pig in that cartoon. He then also became the voices of Grumpy and Sleepy in Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs and was the original voices of Goofy and Pluto. Wow. Oh, my is, God. Yeah, pretty amazing. Although Pluto, I, I think... You know, that's pretty easy to do. Yeah, but, you know. <laughs> no, I'm joking. But, yeah, that's that's pretty amazing. Now, he had a falling out with Disney in 1937, and he freelanced after that. He did some voices for some Warner Brothers cartoons. He was some of the Munchkin singing voices in The Wizard of Oz. And he voiced Bluto in Popeye the Sailor. And not only that, he went on to create the character Bozo the Clown. Whoa. Yeah. Wow. Did some pretty amazing things. Now, in his later years, he was stricken with lung cancer, and he was actually recognized for his anti-smoking advocacy, supporting the idea of warning labels on cigarette packs, which actually was a pretty unusual stance considering it was around the 1960s. Uh, in 1993, he was honored by the Walt Disney Company as a Disney legend, and in 2004, he was inducted into Milwaukee's Clown Hall of Fame. <laughs> But let's take a look at the lowest point of this talented band's career in the short, A Case of Spring Fever. This is like, you know, the complete opposite of what happened to everybody in Mr. B. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> it's a good thing springs exist. I know. <laughs> Otherwise, none of this would have happened. 
it's pretty amazing. I, I did not expect to find this much just kind of looking at the names. I know Edward Nugent, the, the man who plays Gilbert in this short, you know, he, he had some modest acting credits, which you kind of expected. But uh, when I looked up Pinto Colvig, I was uh, very happily surprised to see that this guy had just such a long run as a talent in animation. Minus this. <laughs> oh come on this is a classic <laughs> well it, it ended up becoming a classic now the mystery science theater 3000 version that we watched appeared in the 12th episode of season 10 where mike nelson and the bots riff on the mutant worm horror movie squirm which originally aired august 1st 1999 and i, I think that's even one we mentioned in a previous episode uh starred a young man named don scardino who went on to uh, become a director of 30 rock hmm hmm so it worked out for him, too. And I, I'm not sure if that one was released on DVD. Uh, yep. Uh, Shout Volume 31, I believe. Okay. So, yeah, like I mentioned, this is, at the time, you know, not counting this upcoming Netflix run, but at the current state, this was the last short they ever did. So it kind of holds a special significance in, in terms of that. But on its own, it is just a classic Mystery Science Theater short. I don't know about you, Kevin. This is just one of my favorites all time. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely one of my favorites, and I believe that was also the only short uh, that they did in season 10. I think so, because that, that was towards the end of this sci-fi run. I, yeah, it was the last season, right? Uh, the final season, I believe. <laughs> this was just a, a great short. Squirm was okay, but yeah, the short was so much better. So let's get right into this short. As Mike and the bots enter the theater, we see the title of the short on the screen. Tom Servo says, me, I'd rather have a case of Bass Ale. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, another observation, uh, the title stays up for a very long time. Very, very long time. Yeah, that was silly. It was <laughs> odd. Just to fill out the time. And Mike says, people read slowly back then. <laughs> <laughs> now we open on a scene in a home where a lady is explaining over the phone that her husband can't play golf because he is busy doing housework for her. The camera then pans over to the living room where a man named Gilbert is lying under a cushionless couch trying to repair the springs underneath it. And in frustration, he says to himself, I hope I never see another spring as long as I live. And uh, unfortunately, as he says this, an animated spring creature begins to form on the floor next to him. First, kind of as a coiled line, and then we see arms, legs, and a very strange looking head. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, you would think that they would make it look more spring-like, but it's just like this little elf with one tooth <laughs> looking head. That's true, he does only have one tooth. <laughs> and if you notice, he actually begins to form before Gilbert finishes his sentence. So he doesn't really know what he's going to say, so it kind of came up a little too early. And Crow says, I anticipated your complaint. <laughs> <laughs> This tiny living spring creature tells Gilbert that he'll get his wish. And when Gilbert frighteningly asks who the creature is, it introduces himself as Coily the Spring Sprite. <laughs> and with Coily's words of no more springs from now on, we see the couch springs over Gilbert's face begin to spiral and disappear into thin air, along evidently with every other spring in the universe. And this happens with a very Looney Tunes type sound effect <laughs> that it uh yeah servo kind of does the uh the end theme of the looney tunes like so gilbert sits up and he looks around and 
Crow says something like, no springs? Oh, I don't care. There's still butter and meatloaf. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like a, kind of a, a doughy middle-aged man, Gilbert is. Uh, so he next checks his pocket watch and Saro says, well, my Tamagotchi seems okay. <laughs> yeah, that was my favorite line <laughs> of both shorts we watched. <laughs> <laughs> but the, he notices the watch is not ticking. So he opens it to find Coily standing inside, mocking him, saying, No springs! <laughs> yes. He <laughs> laughs and disappears with that strange kind of whistle, kind of plucking sound. I don't know what that is supposed to be. If that's the sound of him disappearing or what? I don't know. I, I thought he just it was just like a little like whistle that he threw at the end of his catchphrase. I don't know. Hmm. So Gilbert is uh, taking this very well. He initially just kind of laughs this off and attempts to go about the rest of his day. So my, Mike makes the observation, so one Claude says one thing and the world pays? It's like, yeah, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> so he goes to lower the blinds, but he finds that at the slightest tug, they completely unroll to the floor. Of course, Coily is at the top of the window, pointing down, saying, no springs. And <laughs> Gilbert still smiles, figuring that I guess these two inconveniences are just a small price to pay for a springless world. So he grabs his jacket and his smile grows larger as he spots his golf bag and remembers that, okay, yeah, now he's available to play. That's what this is all about. He just wants to go golfing and ignore his wife. Yeah. Pretty much. I mean, the, the couch technically isn't fixed. Now it's even worse, but all right, <laughs> <Yeah>. whatever. <laughs> and where did she go? Yeah. <laughs> Was she a spring? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, Mike also mentions like, oh, it's not, a, not as bad as the time he said no muscle tone and then never recovered. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Gilbert walks over to the telephone and sits down to make a call, which, yeah, as I mentioned, here's an, another example of the telephone being in its own special spot in the room. And uh, as soon as he tries to make a call, the rotary dial doesn't spring back. And Coily appears once again, saying, no springs. <laughs> now, have either of you ever used a rotary phone? Yep. Uh, I have not. My, my grandparents had one, which I thought was the coolest thing. Because we, you know, in my house, we never had one. But my grandparents had this, like, old, old one they never get rid of. I just thought it was so fun to, like, just mess around with it. It seems like it would be fun. I would probably just sit there and just pull the dial back a bunch of times. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I would do is like I would call their their own number and, you know, listen for the busy signal. Hang up. Try it again. <laughs> so Gilbert is now a little flustered, but he's determined to go play golf. So he quickly puts on his jacket, grabs his clubs, makes his way out the front door. And uh, as he walks out, Mike remarks, oh, I got to widen my windows. I keep putting that off. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, for those who haven't seen it. It's like a brick house, but the windows are very, very narrow. I try to look and guess, like, those have to be, what, like 10-inch windows? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I would say they're probably about, definitely not quite a foot, probably about 10-inch. <laughs> very, very narrow windows. And, uh, yeah, that that's going to be tough to fix with a brick house, so he's kind of stuck with those. <laughs> but as Gilbert tries to leave, the front door won't latch. And, of course, Coily points this out. And, uh, yeah, Servo makes a comment here about Coily owning Gilbert. That's pretty hilarious. <laughs> and Gilbert slams the front door shut. He does it so hard that off camera we hear glass shatter as Coily yells out, No springs! Just to, 
We, they had a pan slightly over because they probably couldn't afford to actually break that glass, but it's implied. I was just going to say, one of my favorite lines is the, honey, get the swatter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I would have done. I would've... But is he a spring? Shouldn't he have disappeared? That's true. He's a, he, well, he's a spring sprite. Yeah. So. Yeah, but his body but, yeah. is made of springs, so yeah. he'd just be a floating head. Yeah, he should, or straightened out into like a line or something. <laughs> it is strange and i i like the line too that's also here where crow asks uh where, where does coily fit into god's plan for us <laughs> it is kind of an odd world being set up here that there is a sprite evidently there would be a sprite for every simple machine and spring and things like that there's like a probably a wheel and axle sprite or something inclined plane sprite just <laughs> <laughs> terrible so Gilbert squeezes his way into the front seat of his car, finds that he cannot adjust the seat, nor shut the door to the glove box, or the door to the car. It's funny, because he sits in the in the chair, and I think Mike makes a comment, was this Billy Barty's car? And if you look, it's like the steering wheel cuts like right into his stomach, which, uh, did he slide the chair all the way up or something after he got out? Like, why Why would the chair be in that position? Yeah, maybe his wife drove the car last, I don't know. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> <laughs> it's so weird but i love with the glove box it like he flips it up he flips it up it's like it's not working crow just gets so upset with it he's like yeah try it eight more times maybe it'll work <laughs> <laughs> uh, gilbert then finds that the pedals won't work either coily appears at his feet again with no springs and that's enough gilbert now starts to realize the folly of his wish and says oh gee coily i didn't realize what i was wishing i'm sorry for everything i said and then he asks, uh, can't we call the whole thing off? Is there anything I can do? Please let me take back my wish. And so <laughs> Coily now thinks about it for a brief moment and says, well, okay, I'll do it just this once. But next time, be careful. Don't ever make that wish again. And this immediately cuts to the spring in Gilbert's couch spiraling back into existence. A reversal, pretty much, of just, you know, the, the shot we saw moments earlier. And that evidently symbolizes the return of all springs in the universe back to their places. Because it's just that easy. You can just, your actions have zero consequences. <laughs> yeah, it's just a complete reversal. And I, I think this is probably my favorite line of the whole thing is that Servo says, uh, so Coily waited all eternity for this moment and he backs down almost instantly? <laughs> and uh, Mike laughs. That, that always was funny to me was like when one of them made a joke that made the other laugh in the theater yeah uh, that was just <laughs> hilarious just the idea that he's waiting all eternity for someone to make just such a strange and arbitrary wish it finally happens and he's like please let me take it back okay coily's a kind and forgiving soul evidently <laughs> <laughs> So we next see Gilbert kind of happily touching the old couch springs that are now back in place. And he smiles as he notices his pocket watch is ticking again. And he sits back down in front of the phone, able to call his buddies and make golf arrangements. And really, that should be the end of the short. Where the man but made... no. Yeah, no, it's not, not true. The man uh, made his wish. He learned his lesson. We all learned a lesson as the viewers. Okay, we get it. Springs are important. They're in many things. But it continues. And so from here we fade to Gilbert and three of his buddies on the golf course. But now because of his, I guess, harrowing experience, Gilbert <laughs> cannot stop praising springs and talking about the physics behind them. 
And he's talking now so much that his friends are just messing up. Like, his friend makes a terrible shot that settles, I don't know where, it settles in some very patchy grass. I think Mike's like, welcome to Divot Hills. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, just about nailed me in the crotch there, Steve. (laughs) (laughs) That's another classic line. And so now Gilbert next tees off. And of course, anytime he's teeing off or making a shot here, it's always perfect. Uh, Which, (laughs) thanks to terrible editing, it kind of ends up looking like a putt, which I think they even call him out on in this. Um, And I love when he's, you know, going to like put the ball on the tee, just the rip tear expose horrify friends (laughs) 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 and so we see even though his friends are clearly annoyed uh, gilbert just continues explaining the many functions of springs and elasticity and how those functions actually aided his great swing he's like bubba in forrest gump just naming all the things you can do with shrimp but with springs (laughs) he is yes (laughs) that's perfect And uh, this spring sermon continues as another one of his friends takes a shot. He too gets distracted and takes a bad shot. We see a bunch of dirt fly up. And uh, as Gilbert is explaining things further, his friend throws his club to the ground and stomps away. And finally, one of them is just like, okay, but let's get on with the game. (laughs) And from there, we next fade to the four gentlemen now at the hole. And even Servo is now like, shouldn't this be over? (laughs) Like, I, I mean, I had seen this before. I don't know about you, Lily, but like, you know, my first viewing, I'm like, what is happening? Like, <laughs> why is this continuing? Yeah, I, uh, I definitely had the same thoughts. <laughs> and, and Gilbert is still just rattling off facts about springs and their uses in everyday life. Where did he learn all this? Yeah. <laughs> what I don't understand, it's like a cautionary to, okay, yes, it's, springs are important but it's also like oh don't take this thing for granted that you use all the time and then it just turned into something slightly more educational than it had originally intended (laughs) way more yeah knowledge of springs knowledge that was never imparted to gilbert which is just the he's talking about the the earth itself is a giant spring it's like well coily never told you that (laughs) so uh, meanwhile, as, as Gilbert's just going on and on, his friends are just having all kinds of putting trouble, and we fade to a little later, where the four gentlemen are now packing their clubs into the car and heading home. Gilbert is j- now just listing items that contain springs. He's going on and on. Mouse traps, guns, exercisers, hinges, pogo sticks. One of Gilbert's friends stops and stares, and Mike just says, uh, Guns, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Gilbert now points up to an airplane in flight and explains how springs are used in its operation. And this cuts to stock footage of a plane in flight, and then we see a plane land as Gilbert's explaining how that whole process works. Really, we get the sense that this needed to be like a certain length. (laughs) This is really padded. (laughs) So we then see the four guys driving home, and again, Gilbert just talking nonstop rattling off everything he could possibly think of about Springs. Inside the car, we see his three friends, they're they're doing what? They're passing a piece of paper to each other? Yeah, I wasn't sure if it was maybe the scorecard from uh, the golf game. That's what I think it was, and I I don't get it. The guy in the passenger seat sees it, and he winks to the two in the back, like, as as if he's about to, like, pull something on Gilbert, as, uh, you know, Gilbert kind of continues obliviously. And now a few moments later, we see that, no, the three friends have fallen asleep. So finally, they pull up at Gilbert's house. 
Uh, I, like, I like how Servo describes the vehicle as the 1941 dull graymobile. <laughs> <laughs> this is a black and white short, but I imagine that is a gray car anyway. And so uh, Gilbert wakes everybody up, and a little while later, he hands the scorecard to one of his friends. He says something like, uh, you know, you played a great game, but you lost. What you need is a little more spring in the old. And But before he can finish, his friend just, like, loses it. <laughs> just tears up the piece of paper and uh, saying he hopes he never sees another spring. But Gilbert yells, stop! Adding that, you know, you should never wish anything like that as long as you live. And uh, Gilbert kind of pushes his hand down on the seat cushion of his car. And uh, we see Coily appears one final time there laughing. You'll be the first to die. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that far from the truth because springs are associated with Hook's Law, which says that the strain or deformation of an elastic object or material is proportional to the stress applied to it. So if that concept didn't exist, like any stress applied to human beings would just horribly deform us. So <laughs> so what you're saying is Gilbert should have been dead. Yeah. Like as soon he got as off that easy. Wish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so from there we get the words, the end, a jam handy picture. And yeah, this, this was another great line. I forgot about this too. Crow finishes the short by saying, jam handy reminds you to keep your preserves in a convenient place. It's such a great line. <laughs> <laughs> so I was going to ask you guys, because uh, I couldn't make sense of it. What was that whole scorecard thing? Like, what was happening? They they passed it to the guy in the front, and then he kind of, like, gives them a, a kind of a mischievous grin and a wink. Like, okay. And that was yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I, I was thinking, okay, it's the scorecard that they're passing back and forth. But the only thing I can figure is maybe they it was a note that just said, okay, let's all just go to sleep. This guy won't stop talking. I don't know. Yeah. If it was, now, in fact, the scorecard, the, the guy ended up ripping it up anyway. So Now, was the line about uh, the patch of dirt for burying a body, was that around that point? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, there's so many great lines in here. I mean, we, we kind of break these down scene by scene, but w there's so much in here, especially when we're covering anything Mystery Science Theater. There's no way we can encapsulate everything. There's so yeah, many like, funny lines. Like the uh, Coily's Army of Darkness line. I love that one. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, just another Mystery Science Theater classic. Hopefully more shorts will be covered uh, when the show continues sometime soon. But uh, in the meantime, what, what did you guys think of this Mystery Science Theater short? I think I probably enjoyed this one more than the Mr. B Natural. Mm -hmm. I liked just, I mean, Coily's a better character than Mr. B Natural to me. Yeah. I, even though the only words he says pretty much the whole time are, no springs. <laughs> <laughs> Another great short. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of watching the uh, Mystery Science Theater shorts. In fact, I'll probably look for more uh, after we're done recording, just because it's more palatable for me than to commit to an entire movie. Mm -hmm. But yeah, nothing bad to say about it. Try and find the, uh, the truck farmer one. That one's great. Oh, that sounds amazing already. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is definitely one of my favorite shorts that they did. I've seen this easily a hundred times. Yeah, I, I absolutely love it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, there was a company, uh, I can't recall the name of it because they're already out of business. They weren't around for that long, um, where they basically would do a different t-shirt every day and would do, you know, like giveaways and stuff like that. And I actually got the... Uh, coily no springs shirt oh nice yeah that's awesome yeah that's a steal and i saw your tweet uh kevin where 
You uh, caught a coily on Pokemon Go. I did. I was very excited. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm with you guys. I love this short, and uh, like you, Lily, I love this short way more than uh, Mr. B Natural. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's just uh, Mr. B Natural is a classic, but the runtime is way long, even though this kind of drags way longer than it needs to be. This could probably be a four or five minute short, but, uh, you know, we have to hear Gilbert... uh, espousing all his knowledge of springs he could possibly come up with inexplicably. Both of these shorts uh, were actually redone uh, by Rift Tracks as well. Oh, were they? Okay. Yep. And those are available on the site? They are, yeah. Yeah, I have to check those out. It's it's fun watching it with, like, all new jokes. I mean, obviously the originals kind of, you know, have a special place, you know, in my heart. So it's, you know, I, I think I prefer the originals, but the Rift Tracks ones are great as well. Yeah, and uh, to you know, talking to your point about going back and watching the shorts, uh, they they knew too, like back then during the original run of the show, that these shorts were something special, and that's they did have these like videotapes uh, yep. of the shorts compilations, and uh, yeah, there's just something that's so great that you can just sit down and you could watch one, two, three, as many as you're willing to uh, sit sit through at in one sitting. It, you know, watching an episode of Mystery Science Theater sometimes it's a long, you know, it's it's kind of a bigger commitment than watching just a regular episode of a TV show because you're you're watching what aired as a 90 minute episode. You know, minus commercials, is a little shorter, but still, you know, it's like it's like sitting down to watch a movie. And sometimes you don't always have that kind of time, but you want to watch something funny. So yeah, the shorts are definitely a great way to go, especially if you want to get into the show and just kind of see if this is something that you find funny, fits your humor. And yeah, there's there's so many great shorts. Uh, uh, Sean and I were watching. Uh, but the chicken of tomorrow was a good one. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, I'm trying to think. What what are some other good shorts, Kevin? Oh boy. Um. Well, definitely the uh, the truck farmer one. Uh, there was the whole Commander Cody series. Was it Johnny at the fair? Oh, I think that, that's the one where the little boy just kind of like goes off on his own. Yeah, that's pretty funny. Uh, hired. That was a good one. Mm. Uh, what to do on a date was a, a good one. <laughs> Am I ready for marriage? Is also very funny. Yep, yep. Body care and grooming. Oh, the the uh, the posture one. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Body care and grooming. Yeah, any hygiene. I can only imagine. Funny. Yep. <laughs> and also, Rift Tracks has some great ones too. You know, that years after Mystery yeah. Science Theater came off the air. It's the the tough thing is like trying to remember. Okay, which one was Mystery Science Theater? Which one was Rift Tracks? You know. Yeah, I mean, uh, I I keep mentioning it, but Shake Hands with Danger is just such a great Rift yes. Tracks short. Uh, oh, why study industrial arts is a decent one. And if you're interested in seeing some Rift Track shorts, they have some great compilation DVDs. I know you said they don't produce those anymore, but uh, they are available on Amazon only for a couple bucks. You can get like a whole bunch of volumes of their shorts that are just yeah. so funny. Yeah, I'd definitely be interested in that because I I can appreciate something that is bad, but like a whole movie's length worth of watching something that is like just bad, even though there are jokes over it is like sometimes can be a little grating. It's like, Oh God, like what is it going to be? <laughs> it's true. Kevin and I, I think have mentioned it now, you know, probably three or four times in these episodes of the podcast, but there are some movies that are just, even with the help of Mike and the bots or Joel and the bots are just unwatchable. Like red zone Cuba. I think we yeah. have mentioned over and over again, Hamlet, the, uh, <laughs> The sci-fi one was uh, pretty tough to watch. Some of them drag, you know, they're really slow, and even with the jokes, it's still sleep-inducing, unfortunately. 
But oh, did we did we say date with your family for the uh, shorts? Oh no, I think Sean has mentioned that many times. Yeah, that's yeah, a great one. Yeah, I love that one. <laughs> so yeah, that's uh, some more great material from Mystery Science Theater. I know we just kind of revisited the series not too long ago, but especially with the news that it's coming to Netflix, we're all going to see new episodes soon. Just kind of building up the excitement as uh, we look forward to it coming hopefully soon. Uh, I think they said early 2017. Oh, man. I know. I, they were originally hoping for for uh, Turkey Day. So, okay, well, that's doable, I suppose. We waited all this time. Yeah. What's another couple of months? I will be patiently waiting. <laughs> I was going to say, you got plenty of back catalog to catch up on. So. Oh, yeah. That's true. I did have a note that um, there's actually only 18 episodes left of Mystery Science Theater that have not come to DVD at this point. Oh, wow, really? I didn't realize yep. that. Obviously, not all the uh, DVDs are in print at this point, but uh, you know, a majority of them you can definitely still get your hands on. Yeah, it's. It, I mean, it's just hard to you know imagine that we're actually at the point where it, it's only eighteen episodes left. I mean, it's like it didn't even seem like we'd come anywhere close to that when they were starting to put those out uh, with Rhino. Yeah, it's just crazy. I mean, I know some of them are going to be really hard to to actually get the rights to, but sure. I mean. Shout Factory seems to be doing a pretty good job of getting some of the other ones that were, you know, kind of rumored to be next to impossible. So who knows? I mean, fingers crossed, you know? Mm. Yeah, because uh, there was that one, Godzilla, was it volume 10 for yeah. uh, Rhino's set? We've talked about it before, where it was, uh, you know, a rights issue. They had to call it back, and then there was like 10.2 or 10.5, I forget what it was called. Yeah. And then, unfortunately, that's the one that I have, not the other one, which is way more valuable. Yep. But uh, kind of along that vein, I remember when I first bought Simpsons Season 1 on DVD, and uh, it had a little note from Matt Groening printed on the inside talking about, you know, congratulations, you got this box set, and it's on this format that will be completely gone by the time we get all of the episodes out. And uh, yeah, he was right. They're now yep. putting them out on Blu-ray. <laughs> and who knows, you know, by the time they finish all of these Simpsons episodes, it might finish on some other format which is pretty amazing it's gonna be all digital (laughs) (laughs) all right well that'll pretty much do it for this episode of hitting play as always you can email us with your comments suggestions how springs benefit your life whatever you got for us at hittingplayshow at gmail.com or you can talk to us on twitter at hitting play you guys have anything you want to plug uh you can find me online uh pretty much everywhere as uh one wall cinema uh you can follow me on twitter on vine uh, there's a one wall cinema page on Facebook. Uh, if you want, you can check out, uh, the mystery science theater IRIFs that, uh, my brother and I do. Um, you can find those on, uh, gumroad.com slash one wall cinema. We just released a new short called Chevrolet leader news episode one, which, uh, apparently <laughs> Chevrolet had a news program, which was pretty exciting for us to find. <laughs> uh, the first episode, they cover things like building a dam, ice boat racing, uh, gas economy tests, hairstyles, soapbox derbies, and shoving dogs into glove boxes of cars. So, oh, no. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty amusing. So, yeah, if you want to check that out, uh, just gumroad.com slash cinema. Awesome. What year are those from? Uh, 1935, I believe. Wow. That's oh, great. Oh, man. Yeah, there's a whole series of them. So our plan is we're going to try and do uh, a new episode of the Chevy Leader News every month uh, until we run out of episodes. Great. 
I'll just plug my Twitter. You can find me on Twitter at Lilypution22. I talk about video game related stuff and whatever projects I am currently working on. So if you're interested at all in that, follow me on Twitter. Very good. I am on Twitter as well. My name there is at MC and Friends. You can follow me there. I'm also on Vine. There I do flip page cartoons, little humorous animations. You can check my stuff out there. There I am also MC and Friends. If you listen to us on iTunes, please subscribe and leave us a five-star review. It helps us out, and if you do, you will get a shout-out on the show. For Android users, we are also available to stream in or download on Stitcher. We can be found on TuneIn Radio and the Google Play Music app, so check us out on those platforms as well. And if you have a Roku, you can download the TuneIn Radio channel, set hitting play as a favorite, and you can stream these episodes right on your TV uh, just after they're posted. Well, we have been Kevin, Lily, and Scott, and this has been Hitting Play. Thank you so much for listening. No No springs! springs. (laughs) Close enough. Yeah, that'll work. That's okay.